0: Please be seated. Please open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 13. That long text that Gilbert read is our uh, foundation for our thoughts tonight. Matthew chapter 13 verses uh, 1 through 23. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Gracious God and Father of our lives. In humility, Father, we approach uh, this text tonight uh, ready to unpack it, obviously, Father, uh, but at the same time a bit fearful. The power of this message, uh, this parable, these words that, that Jesus taught, seashore. And it's our prayer, Father, that we will approach it, though, as disciples who are eager and enthusiastic about the kingdom of God and and eager and enthusiastic about being transformed and conformed to the image of Jesus in all that we do, Father, which is your goodwill. And we stand in awe of the ways that you do this. And our prayer tonight, Father, as always, is that you will give us ears that hear and eyes at sea. For we seek, Father, to, to discern not only this Word, but also to discern its impact on our life. And to, to be open to the transformation that it makes, Father, the, 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 the way that it, it, it changes us, sometimes painfully. But we pray that, that even so, Father, that, that You deepen us as people. Bless us now. Bless us in the name of Jesus. Keep our minds attentive, Father. And we pray all of this in our Savior's name. Amen. Jesus did not uh, simply come, or come simply, only, merely, to bring forgiveness of sins. If that is all that he offered, it would still be fantastic anyway. I mean,. All of us who have felt the end, the, the cessation of, of suffering from guilt, the suffering from inc- uh, incrimination, comes from you know this solid memory that that God gives us is too solid sometimes. But Jesus also came to bring the kingdom of God, and the forgiveness of those sins is just the beginning. The kingdom of God in, in a capsule is nothing less than the power of God in heaven entering the world. To heal every alienation, every brokenness, in every dimension of human life, whether it's spiritually or physically or socially and economically or racially and emotionally, and and to gather those people together to Him as family. And when the kingdom of God enters your life, although there is still that, that tension between our present experience of our own sin, our own fallenness, And what we will be when Jesus returns, we see that there is this great power that comes into our life. It's God's power that begins to help us heal all the brokenness that that we have experienced in this life and to overcome all of the ingrained habits of sin that we experience sometimes on a daily basis in this life. And then that power through you and and through your life that is being renewed, God also begins that same assault that has happened on your own life in conforming you to the image of Jesus. There is that same assault on the world in attacking, assaulting the, the wretchedness and the brokenness that is experienced all over the world in every nation. And what we have in Matthew chapter 13 is this really famous parable that, that tells us in, in many ways, how that happens. It tells us a lot. I, how does that power come to us and how do we enter that power? The answer is incredibly unusual. And, and it's really the topic of this parable. It's about hearing. In Matthew 13, verse 9, He who has ears led him... Say it, church. Hear. The principle is this. Listening is important... So be careful how, not just what, but be careful how you hear. And one of the first things that the parable tells us is that listening is incredibly essential. Listening is super, hyper essential. It's, and again, this is very unusual. When you think about the earthly kingdoms, earthly kingdoms will come and go usually through coercion and force. They never come by listening, do they? They never come by hearing. And one of the things that makes an earthly leader good, that makes him dynamic, that makes him him, uh, recognizable as a leader, especially in our culture, is that he is good at getting a hearing. But the kingdom of God comes to people who are good at giving a hearing, which is radically different. Listening is a primary skill for entering the kingdom of God. That's how you enter. The kingdom. That's how you proceed in the kingdom. Your ability to sit down and to take in what is being said and to to hear and to perceive and to discern is essential. Earthly leaders, for the most part, get their, their kingdom, their realm established by getting people to follow orders and to follow instructions to the letter. They are decisive. They are dynamic. But the kingdom of God comes by taking it in. listening and perceiving and discerning and and the reason this is true is because jesus in this parable talks about seed in the parallel uh, account of this parable that's found over in luke chapter eight luke adds this this part of the story he says this is the meaning of the parable the seed is what the word of god The seed is the Christian message. The seed is what Jesus preached. It's information. It's the Bible. And the kingdom of God moves forward on the basis of hearing the truth. Think again about the human kingdoms. How different that is. Human kingdoms move forward on coercion and force. Think of Alexander the Great. When he brought his army anywhere in the, the known world at that time, everybody knew that he was there. Everybody knew that his kingdom was there and the way that they knew it. There were only two kinds of people that were left. The people who are now part of His kingdom and those who were dead. It was force and coercion. But in this parable, listening is essential. Hearing that Word. And that message, number two, is, is like a seed. Now that's strange. Especially when we think that with a Word, God was able to create everything. He spoke and it came into being. This great power that created the heavens and the earth and separated the sky and the ground and separated the ground from the water and created man and all of the beasts that we encounter. We would think that the message of the kingdom would be like a big rock. It would be like a boulder. And when that boulder comes down, it's powerful and it smashes down whatever it hits. It's this irresistible force. But that's not what Jesus says. Strange. He says it's like a seed that hits the ground softly. Now that boulder, on the other hand, transforms the ground, obviously, but it only does so externally. It does it on impact. It breaks the soil. The seed, on the other hand, revolutions, revolutionizes the ground from the inside, redirecting the nutrients and the power of that soil into a, a different kind of a plant. The boulder is able to do it visibly and coercively. The seed does it organically and gently and many times invisibly. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul says that the fruit of the Spirit that develops over time in your life, it's like fruit, it's like flowers, it's love and peace and joy and kindness and faithfulness, self-control, all of these things developing over time in your life like a plant. The boulder only really breaks the ground. The seed transforms the ground into a forest. The boulder doesn't really change anything. It just breaks it with sheer external power. Alexander the Great may have subdued the enemy, but he never really changed the heart. But the kingdom of God changes everything. Like that seed. Because it penetrates deeply into the heart. And quite frankly, this is part of the issue with John the Baptist in Matthew 11. You know the, 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 the story of John the Baptist at the beginning of Matthew, at the beginning of the Gospels. He is, he is, he is born uh, at the announcement of, of the angel to his, to his father, Zechariah. He is going to be the herald. He is going to be that, that Malachi chapter 4, Elijah, the one in the spirit of Elijah, who is to come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And he shows up out of, out, of, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, at the beginning of the Gospels, preaching, and he's this, this type of apocalyptic prophet. He preaches sort of a doomsday message of the axe to the root of the, of the tree. That's the part of his message, a kind of message. But as we talked about it this morning, at the beginning of Matthew 11, he's, he's, on, he's not even really in, in, at the center uh, in, in the meat of Israel anymore. He's, he's kind of on the fringe. He's, he's on the east side of the Dead Sea. And he's in prison. And he's wondering. And now he's sending a question to Jesus via his own disciples. Are you the one? Or should we look for another? I have sort of this emotional attachment to, to, to Matthew chapter 11. John's problem is is not a failed heart or a failure of nerve. Uh, John does not strike me as the kind of cat that's, that's afraid of death. I think he's tremendously courageous. The issue is the understanding of the kingdom of God and how it moves. The problem is in understanding the kingdom of God not moving forward like Alexander the Great. Doomsday, the boulder dropping and breaking everything, the the, the rock, the axe to the root of the tree. And so John is struggling, I don't think, with with courage, but with his own theology. (laughs) John is struggling because Jesus is the Messiah and people are rejecting Jesus. They want to kill Him. And there's still evil in the world. And John is wondering why he is being abused by by violent, evil people. The truth be told, we all struggle with this kind of thing, don't we? You know, I, I remember thinking as a teenager, <laughs> when I was a teenager, and wondering why, you know, if if Jesus, if, if God is so serious about saving people, why? And we were living just outside of D.C. at the time, and you know, it was it was. Uh, it was uh, the you know, the end of, 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 of Gerald Ford, the, the beginning of Jimmy Carter and things were happening in DC all of the time and the world, you know, with the different things that were happening. It just seemed like the right time that if, if Jesus was really serious or God was really serious about the kingdom of God being established, that Jesus would do something, some kind of miracle in front of the White House. He'd just pop out of the sky in front of the White White House and take away all doubts. He'd just do the miracle. You just do a miracle, Jesus, I'll believe. But in this parable, one of the things that Jesus is trying to help us to understand is that the kingdom of God is not working that way. Oh, it does at, at, at different moments. But Jesus is saying is that there's a specific way that the kingdom makes progress. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus will not jump off the highest place, the highest point of the temple, in that second temptation by Satan in Matthew chapter 4. It's not supposed to work like Alexander the Great. It is supposed to work like a seed. At first it looks weak and completely underwhelming. It's just a seed. The kingdom begins with a word, a message. And do you know what that message is? That there is this king that left heaven, not just in righteousness, but in the love that comes out of that righteousness and left that holiness and left that protection and that safety and that, that perfect fellowship with, with God the Father and God the Spirit. And He comes to the earth and he's, and he's tortured and He's made to suffer and then He was killed by crucifixion on a cross. As we saw a couple of weeks ago, at, at the end of Isaiah 52, His, his, his appearance at that torture, at the, at the hands of men, made Him appalling to anybody who saw Him. And then He dies this cursed kind of death on a tree, according to Deuteronomy. I mean, when you think about it, it's crazy. It's an upside-down kind of message, if you think like Alexander the Great. But Jesus is teaching that the way to be first is to be last, and to be rich is to really be generous and to give it all away. And, and the way to be great is by being humble, and that you can be joyful even in the midst of suffering. It's a crazy message. And by human standards and by human reckoning, though, it did turn the world upside down. The kingdom comes by hearing the truth and believing it. A seed does more than dynamite. A seed can do more than a boulder. That one seed, given time, will eventually cover the entire planet with a forest it's not just a word it's the word it's the word that changes everything the kingdoms of earth will pass away but this kingdom is forever that begins with the word it's a seed the last thing though because listening is important and 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 listening is is how the kingdom progresses, and that word uh, the, the seed is is the word of God. You have to be careful then, how you hear. In, in this 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 parable, there is sort of a test given to know if you're hearing the right way. Uh, there are people who think they hear, but 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 they do not. Back in, in Matthew chapter 8, we have this, this fellow who says, you know, I will follow you anywhere you want to go, Jesus. And Jesus says to him, foxes have hold and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Do you understand that? And so Jesus gives sort of this, this test, and this is really the frightening part of the, uh, of the parable, I think. The first test is this. Be careful of having a hard heart. When it comes to listening to the Word of God, a hard heart is, 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 is extremely, extremely dangerous. Some seed never gets into the soil. The same is true with the Word of God. You can come to church. You can come to church. And you can listen to the Kerry Grant of preachers. That's old school. You can come to church and you can hear the Word, but it doesn't penetrate. Christianity and that, that kind of a, of, a, of a description is, that hard heart, for, for Christianity and that hard heart, it's, it, Christianity is only theoretical. It's an exercise of the mind, but not the heart. And people need to see Christianity as sort of this personal discovery of truth in a way that is like waking that person up from sleep. You understand at some point that Christianity is talking about you. It's talking about you personally. And this truth that that is a seed that God is speaking to you through that Word... Sort of grabs you by the throat and lifts you up off the ground, and you realize that this is a matter of life and death. And if not, then you have a hard heart. And that word doesn't penetrate. The second test is be careful of the shallow heart. It's about getting all caught up into it emotionally. You hear with joy. And, 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 and you kind of spring up for, for a minute in the faith. You know, this, a, a lot of times this is sort of the, you know, the individual that, that, that comes because they have this major issue, this crisis, this emotional crisis or financial crisis or relational crisis, or marital crisis, family crisis taking place inside of the church. And they go to church and they, they hear the message. It sort of straightens all of that out and gives them perspective and knowledge and gives them some, some strategy and perspective. on on how to deal with it. And all of a sudden they begin to realize, man, there's something kind of cool about this Christianity. And, And it sort of springs up into joy at the beginning. They get a solution to a problem. They get really happy. Jesus is a service provider. But then a crisis comes. Another one. You know the only thing that doesn't change in life is change. And some of the, you know... Some of the most naive people are the ones who think that, you know, it's 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 always going to be a, a good day based on good things happening. I think every day is a good day. I think every day is a great day. Always want to be forward-looking. But I say that in light of the fact that, you know, a lot of the time, and you experience this as well, we get beat up. Somebody decides that they want to fight you in traffic. <laughs> That's why I bought a truck. Not really. Well, sort of. Y- you know, you don't feel good, or you run into people that don't feel good, or you run into people that are disappointed or frustrated, or they're just angry, they don't know who to take it out on, and you just happen to, you know. We've, we've all been there, where the, the money's not there, or the, or the time's not there, or, that you know, it's just not right. This crisis comes. They can't take the heat. They start losing important things. And they say in that shallow soil, what use is my faith if I have to lose all of these things? The problem is really, again, one of understanding. That Jesus doesn't come into your kingdom and fix it, but that you enter into His kingdom. There is, there is usually in this kind of soil no conviction of sin. There is no repentance that forces you out of your own kingdom and to slam the door on that to enter in His kingdom, never to look back. That's one thing that never happens with this second group. But then there's a third group, the, the most frightening of all. Be careful of the divided heart. Now, I think it's pretty easy to see the first two groups. The third group is more difficult these are the people who stick around. These are the ones who are at church every Sunday. But it's, it's, it's a funny thing. In church, Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday nights, Sunday nights. But a funny thing. Their life never really produces any fruit. All these years. And no self-control when it comes to anger. No patience when it comes to frustrations. No love when it comes to relationships that hurt. Why, why does that happen? In the first two groups, I, it, it seems to me that the problem is that it's the human who still wants to be in control. The hard heart is saying, I'm in control. I'm okay. You can't get in. You can't touch me. You can't change me. This is intellectual. I can understand it as an intellectual exercise, but that's as close as you get. The shields are up, Sulu. In the second group, it's the same sort of thing. I'm going to allow you to get so close and then no further. I want you to fix this problem. I want you to be able to kind of tweak this relationship. I want you to be able to you know, to kind of give me some resources here to be able to move on in a certain kind of a way, but then no closer. The third one, though, is particularly dangerous because it's sort of a co-regency. You rule one part, Christ the other. That's why it's divided. And that's why it doesn't work. You're committed to Christ, but you're unhappy. Why? It's because you're choking on sexual indiscretions or you're choking on a greedy heart or you're choking on priorities that are out of whack or you're choking on on no unusual positive growth in your life. And, and you look around and the greatness of Jesus is not seen in your life at all because it's a co-regency. You're ruling part and allowing Him to rule part. And you look around and no one's life is changed. And it's because you are choked. You are choked. Now there is an answer to all of this, and it is he who has ears, let him hear. Now, you know, what does does that mean, really? Well, I think in part it means you need to remember that you're the soil and not the gardener. If you're the gardener, then you're going to be the one that's going to be trying to get all the rocks out and to get the stones out and to get all of those little ugly weeds out. When really what Jesus is trying to say in this parable is that your heart is like soil. Your heart is really like dirt. And your job is not to be the gardener. Your job is to be the soil. Your job is not to try to get all the rocks out and try to make everything beautiful and, you know. Your job is, as soil is to receive that seed. Your job is to receive the seed. Your job is to receive the seed deeply in your heart. To understand and discern and to know and and to be revolutionized by a seed that takes root in your heart and changes you from the inside out. That after a period of time of internal growth, there is this outward growth that is seen in your life as fruit begins to blossom in your life because a seed was able to get deep into the soil and and, and to, to, to take what that soil has in it and to turn it into something beautiful. Jeff's going to lead us in a song right now. And I want you to ask yourself, what kind of, what kind of soil are you? is is Christianity really only an intellectual game for you that you come because it's 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 challenging to your mind it's challenging to the way that you think about the world that it offers a philosophy that that sort of makes sense in light of you know the the either the liberal philosophies or the conservative philosophies that don't really seem to 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 matter or to mean that much or to make sense or at least they don't pragmatically make sense they don't seem to be working well the thing to do is 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 to pray have ears that hear and if you're that second soil where you know you've you've and there and there, you know there's absolutely not, nothing wrong at all for coming into a church through a felt need sometimes the greatest discovery that we have of the power of god is that first hand discovery that personal discovery that yes there is something wrong with my life and i understand it that 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 something is terribly wrong with, with with who I am and what I'm doing and I can't fix it. And we come into, into the fellowship of a group of people who believe with all of their heart that Jesus is the answer and that His Spirit is able to live inside of them and sins can be forgiven, but not only that, they can be changed on a daily basis into the likeness of Jesus as a work of that Spirit, as a work of that God in their life. And you, And you begin to receive what it is, that medicine that you need to be able to write what it is that's wrong in your life. And the, and the taste of it is, is so beautiful and, and so delicious that you want more of it and more of it and more of it and more of it until that place where you're, you're, you're producing the 30 and the 60 and the 100 fold of the harvest. But the flip side of that is true too. Is that you've, you've, you've come because there was something wrong and it's sort of gotten fixed. You know, it's one thing to put your marriage back together. It's another thing to figure out how to get yourself out of debt because of a ministry that you run into, you know, at at this church. Or it's it's another thing altogether to, you know, to, to, to try to figure out why you're sabotaging yourself at work because, you know, you've met with one of the ministers here, or whatever it might be. I mean, it's a hundred different ways. And to think that just because you got that one little part fixed, that you're fixed. The bottom line is you're not. You're not until you receive that Word in such a way that it produces the harvest in you, as described in Matthew chapter 13. All over, with repentance and the conviction of sin and the confession of Jesus as Lord and knowing that that unless Jesus dies on the cross and is an acceptable sacrifice uh, you know, for my sin and for your sin and for anybody's sin and that God is willing to accept that as acceptable payment of the crime that we have committed against His good, His good creation. We know that unless that happens, we're still lost. And we're not fixed. And a long way off from it. And that's what you've been struggling with and what you do tonight is you, you begin to pray to have ears that hear. And you Listen. The message of God, or if you've been struggling in your 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 life with the fact that you know you come to church all the time, you come and you come and you come and you read and you read and you read, but nothing seems to be moving forward, then the problem might be that that you've got that divided heart, that there's are still areas that you've not turned over to the Lordship of Jesus, that there are still areas of your life that are haywire, that are haywire. You have to turn it all over. Son of man has no place to lay his head. Let the dead bury the dead. You understand what he says about about loving him over anything else in the world. And you allow him to be that Lord, which he is. You allow him to be that Savior, which he strives to be in your life. And you turn it all over to him, and you pray to have ears that hear. And tonight, if... You've heard. And you're ready. You're ready for that kind of a life change, that kind of of organic growth that comes through, through God's work in your life. And you believe and you're ready to to change your life to repent and to confess that Jesus is Lord and to be baptized, washing those sins away, to get that forgiveness of sin that becomes the foundation of the life that you live in the kingdom of God and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of you which transforms you in the inner man and strengthens you and brings about that fruit of the Spirit in such a way that you you show on a daily basis the greatness of Jesus in your life wherever you go. We're going to have some of our shepherds down here at the front. Come and talk with them as we stand and sing together.